Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. It is a 25 plus year look across the spectrum. Um, I'm your host, Kelly Birmingham. I am a BCBA, board certified behavior analyst since 2003. And with me is my partner, Jen, mom to Hi, Hi Kelly. Hi, everybody. I've spent about 18 of those years in my career uh, with Jen and her son, Dylan. Hi, Jen. Hi there. So it's National Anti-Bullying Month, October. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that. Um, I have a few statistics that I'll share, and then I'll we'll introduce our special guests. So uh, the National Bullying Prevention Center said that one, of five, one in five students are bullied, and that nearly 40, 40% of children with a diagnosis of autism were reported to be bullied. Now, the key word there is reported, because if you are not able to communicate, you may not be able to report that you were bullied. So that number feels off, but says 40%. And then there was another survey that was done um, by a group called Ditch the Label, where they said 75% of children with autism reported being bullied of some kind. And so we're gonna dive into this topic today. Uh, we have, I'm going to go over a couple of uh, ethics codes for our BCBAs and our 2022 ethics code um, breaks into four core principles with number one being the benefits of others that behavior analysts work to maximize benefits and do no harm by one, protecting the welfare and rights of clients above all others, right? And we know, particularly with children that hit that moderate to higher functioning mm -hmm. um, level of support who are trying to integrate into those social experiences, um, into classrooms, those children, because of some of the areas of deficit related to the diagnosis, struggle, struggle socially, hence the statistics on bullying. And that as ABA therapists, according to our ethics code, we are supposed to be focusing on short-term and long-term um, goals for the children that we're serving and identify any potential negative impacts on physical and mental health. So that's important. So let's introduce our guest. Hi, Shadi. Hello. <laughs> Shadi and I go back to about 2008, we think, when we both sat on a CAC council for our school district, where we were trying to get some anti-bullying um, programs into the schools, and we were defeated quite a bit by that <laughs> school district. But Shadi, being the warrior mom she is, went on to create her own program called Ability Awareness and Kind and Safe Schools. And Shadi, would you take a few minutes to describe to us like how you got there, why you're there, what you're doing? And I'm Absolutely. pleased to say I am on the board of that group. <laughs> I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everything that you do, Kelly. It's okay. incredible. I, I am in love with everything that you do and all that you Ditto. are doing for, for the kids that have no voice, especially. Um, as Kelly mentioned, yes, we did meet years ago and uh, we were both on the board for the CAC. We were trying to update the speaker list and I was looking for a speaker and uh, that would do anti-bullying. And uh, a couple of people that we had, I talked about them. I said, while you're on the stage, can you like talk about your bullying experience? And it was horrible 
because some of them suggested to act in violence back and, you know, say things that we shouldn't say. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 that cannot be right, especially for our children. My own son uh, lives with autism and uh, he was eight years old at that time when he was horrendously bullying, bullied at school. And um, so I was in search of really searching for somebody else to do this and I could not find anyone nationwide. And um, it scared me that there's so much that we have to talk to our kids that we are not talking to them about. Um, For one of the examples, how to say no. How to say no is like one of the most important things we, any parent, whether special need or not, we need to teach our children. Most parents don't talk about how to say no just because the kid might turn around and they will will (laughs) and say no to them right in their face on the day of that discussion, I am sure. However, it's one of those important things, how to stand up for yourself, how to not be peer pressured into doing things that you know is not right or doesn't feel right to you. Sorry, my students are knocking on my door. And um, so from there, we, um, I did more and more research and I realized um, that I do have to do it myself and uh, came up with my first presentation. I had 600 kids, went up there, was sweating to death. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the reaction of the kids and they, them lining up after the presentation, crying on my shoulder, whether they were bullying, uh, they bullied somebody themselves and now everybody calls them a bully. Nobody wants to be their friend mm-hmm. or they were bullied and they just wish they had someone tell them what to do when they're in that situation. And it's also, as we know, it affects the observers, the bystanders mm-hmm. as much, and they have higher rates in depression and all of that. So our programs goes through all of that and explains what to do if you're getting bullied, what to do if you're being bullied, and what to do if you're a bystander to effectively and safely intervene and stop bullying, which usually stops within 10 seconds if you have the intention of doing something. Um, and so from there, we formed, we tried to form a 501C, but we're still under, under the umbrella of a 1OC, which we love. We are the, one of the champions of change makers with 1OC. Um, we became the best activists of Laguna Beach. And there's so much good that we've done. And we've also started Laguna Beach Kindness Movement, which during this COVID, it doubled in number of people participating and members. Um, which is great. It's great to know that you know people are looking to find a way to, to understand that we're all in this together. And that that's where kindness comes from, the, from understanding that we're all in this together and that I have your back, you have my back. And these stories of kindness just gets people inspired. And we know con- kindness is contagious. So it has grown on its own uh, to much bigger number that I anticipated in the beginning. But um, so much more engagement within the community, people, parents, educators, which I'm grateful for. Um, For people listening to our podcast for CEUs, our first code word is bystander, which brings me to question that Shadi, you've really championed kids on the the concept of bystanders. Mm -hmm. And we know as um, in my psychology program, Um, There are lots of experiments that were done about how people can respond and react. Um, And 
as a bystander or not respond. And I know, I love that you've always championed that. And I think that as autism professionals, the more that we can spend time educating other children and teachers about the nuances of autism, the more likely they're going to step up as appropriate bystanders, which I can't wait for Jen to share her story about that. But will you talk a little bit about the bystander phenomenon? Um, basically, if you have the intention to get into in the middle of an argument, let's say you, you know, usually you know which one is the bully, which one is getting bullied. You can tell by their body that the, the way they talk, if they're looking down, they're usually shy and somebody is overpowering them. There is an imbalance in power in bullying. So you know who's, who's the one that is getting bullied. The one of the things that is um, documented is that if a bystander goes right in the middle of the conversation and just goes, doesn't even know what to say, and nothing is really making sense, but just the intention of stepping in, most bullying stops within 10 seconds. Wow. 10 seconds. So it's so important that we teach children to don't, don't be afraid. The statistics is not that you are gonna get hit by the bully. The bystander usually is able to stop the bullying. And the other thing is if you see it at school, you want to take the one that is getting bullied um, put your hands around them and just take them away from the situation. Come here. I had a question for you. I wanted to ask you something and just get them away from the situation. If it's a heated conversation or you see it getting physical, especially physically remove them from that situation. Just put your hands around them and take them away. Come here. I want to show you. I want, I, I wanted to ask you a question, but there's so much bystanders can do to help alleviate bullying. Definitely. I think that's really an important component. I, I actually remember a child I worked with in a school district and I got kicked off the case actually. One of the few times I was removed from a, a case and I was removed, it happened to be in Laguna Beach actually. Oh. And I was removed from the case because I took exception to the school because there was a young boy and when he became really anxious and stressed, he'd get up really close to other kids and bite his hand and um, go like bite his finger and put his finger in his mouth and bite it. And they called him a bully to other children. And he became sort of labeled as a bully to other children because of this behavior. Mm. And um, I didn't view it that way. I viewed it as a child who was really stressed and anxious and that's how he mm -hmm. engaged it. And if we could spend time educating the other children around him to know that he was in distress, uh, that then maybe we could, that would help with the, with him as while we put some other strategies in place. And I was so adamant with them about that, that they kicked me off because they said I was not helpful or useful in that case anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As you know, the first part of our presentation is about children with different abilities. Right. And we want the other children to understand that they have these issues. They may be the one that sits at a party and in a little corner and shouts one word over and over again, but you still wanna invite them over. You still wanna include them because they, they need a friend just like anybody else. We all need a friend. Right. <laughs> so, Jen, let's go to you because, mm -hmm. and Shadi, when you, if you hear her say something that relates to your, your knowledge and training, comment on it but Jen you right from the start if anyone who's listened to us knows that 
you did not keep Dylan home. You didn't keep him secluded. You kept him out in the community. Ethan was his buddy, mm -hmm. his brother, Ethan. And the two of them like hand in hand went to school together or, or did activities together. And you always brought Dylan out and he, to our knowledge, his school placements were wonderful and we don't mm -hmm. think he was ever bullied. Is that right? Will you talk about yeah, all that? Yeah, what you did? yeah absolutely. Um, my kids are only 23 months apart and um, Dylan, who lives with autism, is the oldest, but for my younger son, that's all he's ever known, you know, <laughs> and pretty much didn't figure out about, you know, what was happening with his brother until he went to school. Um, but obviously I raised them both, um, you know, to be, you know, open, kind people. And um, Dylan is definitely on the moderate to severe end of the spectrum and has um, speech delay and a lot of sensory issues and a lot of, especially when he was younger, since he had a hard time communicating, he had a lot of um behaviors and um, tantrums and aggression at time. Um, but I think what really motivated me was, you know, having the second child. I'm an only child, but um, my parents um, raised me and took me everywhere with them. So I wanted to do that same thing. And definitely when Dylan was younger, you know, we had many situations um, whether it's schools or out in the community that, you know, um, that, <laughs> um, you know, there could be some tense moments or just like a lot of behaviors um, when we're out. Um, and sometimes it wasn't pretty, you know, and there was a lot of times where I had to do quick exits, you know, for the yep. car. Um, but I kept trying, um, you know, and it got easier and easier and people I found through the years he's tw almost 22 and you know we were kind of even at that time in the beginning of when people were becoming more and more aware of autism but I honestly think you know with the school district that we had been with and all of you know the teachers and training and programs that I feel like the schools are very open and, um, you know, really try to include all the kids and educate all the other peers and the staff. So I've been very fortunate that, you know, I, I've never seen or heard of my son being bullied, but again, I think that's really just educating everybody including ourselves and you know I don't think that bullying or you know just being a bad person or is um something you're born with I think it's something that you are you know you're either taught or that you see and you imitate so I mean I I really think things get better and better even through the years that I've seen of acceptance and um, I also work for Special Olympics. And I mean, we do a whole campaign that is anti-bullying. And, um, you know, we try to do campaigns against the R word and then we turn the R word around to respect. So, um, you know, it's definitely something that I really 
am passionate about both professionally and personally. But again, I feel very fortunate that I know that I believe Dylan hasn't been bullied, but I have known several people in my life that have. And, you know, of course that makes me very sad. And do you, what do you think? Are you, do you think the same thing that, you know, it would, I don't think people are born just to be mean or. Oh, no, no, yeah, definitely. It's a learned behavior. We know it's a learned behavior bullying, but then you could also unlearn it. Um, There's a couple of things you said. I wanted to kind of comment on them. One is that, um, the kids uh, under the spectrum, when they have someone with them, if they have an aid, there is less chance of them getting bullied. Mm-hmm. Or if they have a friend, which I'm so glad that your son has Ethan. And what an angel. Mm-hmm. They, but that's what we encourage that any kid that you see being alone, no matter what their issue is, you need to bring them to your lunch table. You need to invite them to your parties. You need to be around them because that's when they get unbullied. Another thing is a study that I was uh, reading yesterday from Harvard Graduate School that says, good news, 30 to 40% decrease in bullying since the pandemic, which is a wonderful thing. This is cyberbullying and physical bullying. And then, which is wonderful, right? I'm going to first give you the good news and then give you the bad news. Now, a lot of this is, um, well, the schools were closed, of course. It's understandable if uh, the ones that reopened, the rates were still much less than what it used to be before. And they think that this has to do with a couple of things. One of them being that it's bullying happens during unstructured time unstructured time, sorry. So if it's unstructured, for most of our kids that are on the spectrum, they don't have unstructured time. Ah, If they have an aid with them, there's not that much chance for bullying to happen. And then also, you know, it happens when people are passing through the hallways, there's recess, there's lunchtime. Mm -hmm. If somebody's with them at all time, there's definitely less chance. But the ones that are really high functioning, but they just have the social issues, they have, they get bullied a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And there's a thin line, um, especially for the children with autism to become the bully themselves. That's right. Because... Mm -hmm. They, they mimic what they see. They don't really understand it. So if they say, if they say something, I don't know, I need to tie my shoes. And then somebody passes by the bully says, you need to tie my shoes, right? Just mm-hmm. repeating that. <laughs> they pick that up. And I, I caught my son being the bully a lot of times. There's a very thin line there. You learn that, that, oh, and then other people laugh when somebody talks like that. Maybe if I do it and, and do it like this, maybe other people will laugh and think I'm funny. So a lot of that happens and the kids are not, uh, when they're not at school and not right now during COVID, when the schools were closed, there, a lot of that is not happening in person. And the other reason is like for cyberbullying, they realize that a lot of cyberbullying happens when the kid gets picked on at the school and then it continues on when they go home. If there is no initial bullying happening, there's nothing of course happening afterwards either. So Mm -hmm. the rates are 
a little bit. Uh, I, first, I was like 30 to 40 percent decrease. This is wonderful. I could just stick with music. I'll be okay. <laughs> but no, now here's the other things that are happening. Um, the bad news. Um, I know this is mostly about children with special needs, but I think it's important because they pick up on our subtle behaviors mm -hmm. and on what's happening. And I believe, I feel like this is right now, we're just sitting on a ticking bomb. Yes. There is so much going on socially. First of all, parents of Asian American children are reporting a lot of bullying yes. that happens online and to them. So bullying and picking on and hate crimes are up for Asians and Black Americans as well. It's the highest it's been in 12 years against oh. Blacks and Asians. The political divide that we see, it's yes. hateful. People mm -hmm. are hating each other. The languages that people are using, the choice of words, the tone of the voice, they all matter. And then we are modeling this for our youth. Mm -hmm. So once they are put together, I think a lot of this language that they've learned through this time, being in, um, in isolation, it is going to be very difficult for them to just completely tune it out. Now, CDC saw 51% increase in suicide attempts during the COVID as well. Wow. That's another ticking bomb that, the, the, especially in girls, it has gone up four times. Wow. Now, why is this happening? I mean, uh, a lot of girls, of course, social media can have a big effect, but also uh, a lot of them don't have access to a lot of things. And the one that uh, a lot of help that is out there. When they're not in school, you know, there's no counselors to really look for kids, look for signs, and they're stuck. That, that's, that's what scares me the most is family violence and how much that has gone up. Mm. The kids, um, some parents don't have especially the nerves to, special, to deal with a special needs child. And if that child is being home with them at all times, they, there's a higher, higher chance of neglect. One out of every seven children experience child abuse or neglect CDC reports in the, in the, from 2018 till now. Oh my gosh, Shadi, you know your numbers. <laughs> I, I am so sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I just want, I want to know, I want everyone to know that this is what's been happening and we need to really be careful about our language our social interactions, invite diversity, please be, be accepting of other cultures, be accepting yeah. of other people, other races, and invite that because that's what your kids are going to pick up more than anything else. For sure. And I know as an ABA practitioner, one of my takeaways from our conversation is the more we can educate the other students mm -hmm. and partner our kids with other children. So they're always surrounded by social peers that are bystander support, right? And so if we're ABA practitioners trying to help children in school, that feels like our number one thing we need to do. Then we also need to teach our children how to say no, right? How to discriminate. Exactly. Between, you know, uh, socially appropriate behavior or not. There's a whole list of social skills that kids need to be taught. So you're such an expert. Thank you. What we'll do, Shadi, is in this notes for this podcast, we'll put um, our Ability Awareness website. I'll also encourage people to look at the link for the Choose Kind yard signs. 
Oh, wonderful. Right? I know I have one in my front yard. Jen, I will get you one. No, I love it. <laughs> you should have one. I know at my yes. husband's school for kids with autism, mm -hmm. it's right in the front of their school. And so choose kindness signs and information about um, the Kind and Safe School Ability Awareness Program. Thank you so much. We'll have yeah, to, thank you. We, we'll have to have you back again. Our second code word for anyone listening is kind, safe schools. So everyone just be kind out there. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just, can I add the November 13th? Please, Please stop by Laguna Beach on November 13th. It's day of kindness. Yep. We have an event on the beach, on Main Beach. We're going to have music speakers, uplifting music. We get strangers together to turn off their cell phones, make eye contact, dance, yep. meditate. <laughs> I love it. Calm down. We have our yard signs over there and the choose to be kind masks as well. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be there too. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank, thank you so you. much for having me on the show. Oh, thank Bye. you. Have a great one.